Welcome to Alphabet Scoop, episode 128. As always, I'm joined by Ben Schoen and Kyle Bradshaw. And welcome to this to the summer week of news, um, which well, starts with the Stadia, I guess, is the biggest thing that's happened in the past few weeks. Um, Stadia finally coming to Android TV. Kyle? Yeah, Stadia is here. It is finally time to unplug your Chromecast Ultra. It You can upgrade safely to the Chromecast Google TV, and the experience is about the same as the Chromecast Ultra, which is surprising for those people who have been following along with the, the coming, uh, with the story of Android TV getting a Stadia app. Uh, people have been sideloading the phone app onto the uh, Chromecast and other Android TV devices. And it is not that clunky experience that we had. It is something completely new and smooth and nice. Yeah. Um, Google on the Google TV, at least they, they gave uh, the opening week. They were advertising the ability to play destiny Two right from, right from your Android TV. Yeah, it was really good to see, especially since uh, with Destiny 2, it's a free-to-play game. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stadia itself being free-to-play means that people were able to just click on that ad, install Stadia, and start playing with no money and no other downloads. It was curious. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. It was curious that it was only there for one week, for, for the opening week, and then it disappeared. That advertise that rather prominent advertisement disappeared already. I hear that it's just rotating. I saw a report of it reappearing a couple days ago. So it just depends on the person, I think, and Mm. perhaps whether or not they have Stadia installed. So maybe all the people who have Stadia are no longer seeing the ad because they no longer need to be advertised to. Hard to say. It it gives Google a real new. Well, I mean, they control the platform, but that's like prime real estate for games, the game developers in theory to advertise their stuff right there for a lot of devices. In terms, or even uh, even get a collaboration going with uh, competing services like Luna and GeForce Now and Game Pass, and actually put those on Google TV too, just kind of aggregate them. Hmm. I, for the right price. For the right price. And I know you're talking about, in addition to be, there being a live tab, how awesome it would have been, would be, if there's like a gaming tab in the Google TV UI. That would be pretty awesome. And I would, I would think relatively easy for most of these other services if they ever decide to fully launch on Android TV. Uh, yeah, like GeForce now who would have the first movers? Uh, yeah, bonus. which technically they all they do already support it. Um, I think it's just it's kind of like how the how Stadia's Android TV app is only a select few are officially supported, and the rest are just hey, give it a shot. Uh, GeForce is only Shield, and then the rest are maybe. Yeah, how do really? we? Think- I don't remember seeing it's, any warnings. No, they don't give you any warnings, but Not it's been like cast. it's been like that for the past over over I a year, you. almost two years now. Um, 
feels like anyway. Uh, yeah, it, the only reason it's public in the store is because it is officially supported on some Android TV boxes in Korea. So they just left it open since it technically works. <laughs> it technically works. Wow. The, the reason I was given it was technically it works on any Android TV device with a certain processor threshold, which is basically everything, and two gigs of RAM or more. Which again is basically wow. everything. Like that's I, the only thing I think that excludes right now on the mass market is the cheap of the Walmart streamers. So not the not the thirty dollar one, like the twenty five dollar one. Yeah. Speaking of that, how you've done some performance testing across your wide wide variety of android tv boxes how's that been going so i tested stadia for android tv on almost 10 different devices uh with different uh bits like different processors different uh software versions stuff like that testing google tv android tv uh and the operator tier and all that kind of stuff. And really, there's not much of a difference. It all comes down to your hardware and how that performs in the first place. Um, less so on a can it run apps smoothly, but more can you stream video and can is your internet uh, on the device reliable? The only real standout I had in the entire test, which included the Walmart stick, the Google TV, um, Nvidia Shield, uh, some Mi Cool boxes, a bunch, a whole bunch of different hardware. Uh, the only standout was the JBL Link Bar, which is just kind of a steaming pile of crap. Um, <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. It's really bad it, as an Android TV. It's a great soundbar. It's a really bad Android TV. Uh, the Wi-Fi performance is dreadful, which is the only one that gave me actual stream issues, and the performance of Android TV itself on it is dreadfully slow which made it take nearly a full minute for the app to load uh so it's Mm, it's just rough on that but on everything else the only place i could see any noticeable difference was on the loading time when you first open the app from like a dead start and on it's as you'd expect a very low end device like the uh Xiaomi Mi TV Stick Lite or uh to a lesser extent the TiVo Stream 4K uh will load a little bit slower depending on how low end it is uh the gold standard for everything was kind of the Shield TV and the Chromecast as expected uh, and also, I was very surprised and happy with the performance of Android TV built into a Hisense TV. It was probably as good, if not better, than the Chromecast on all regards. Mm. That is fascinating. Honestly, just as somebody who who kind of wants a device that's a little bit more powerful than the Chromecast, how how much better was the Shield TV? In terms of like launch speed and everything maybe a few seconds at best. Uh, and that was testing with a 20, the 2017 version. So a version back as well. Um, it's, it's not much of a difference. I think you would see the difference more with, um, with Bluetooth. Uh, I did notice like the, there was very, very little difference with Bluetooth controllers. I used the shield controller and also an Xbox controller. 
Um, the main thing was just pairing was easier on the shield. Uh, it's faster just because it handles Android better than the really low end chip in the Chromecast. Hmm. I don't think it would be worth upgrading though. That would, that would be my conclusion there is it's not the only reason the Chromecast feels underpowered is because Google TV is a little heavier than Android TV. And underpowered in the sense that uh, I have to occasionally uninstall apps because I run out. Yes, storage. that was tremendously bad foresight from on Google's part. Yeah, especially as cheap yeah. as storage is. Yeah, that needs an up- that definitely needs an upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> having people to ins- to get a hub and external storage is yeah, that is really totally out of the question for most people. Yeah. So in terms of the core experience, we've we heard it's good. Um, is there any surprising things, any unexpected things going on there? So for me, I think the only the only thing that really stood out to me was just, you know, this is the first time Google's really expanding Stadia on any TV, but beyond the Chromecast Ultra, which was an inherently limited experience. You could only use it with the Stadia controller. Uh, but now you can use Bluetooth, which, as I mentioned, works very, very well. Uh, I played a few sessions on uh, an Xbox controller connected to the Chromecast. Worked wonderfully. Um, but what's nice is that they've really optimized that experience also, because normally when you have a controller paired to uh, an Android TV, the home button, whatever that form that takes usually uh the xbox button the playstation button that kind of thing uh will just send you straight back to the home screen of android tv even if you're in a game uh but on stadia it doesn't do that it actually opens up the uh notifications menu the friends menu that kind of thing uh and you have to leave the game before you can go to the home screen using the controller so it's just it's nice that they've kind of optimized it and made it work, made it feel native. That said, there's still some room for improvement. Like uh, your other remotes are still all too happy to just yeet you out of your <laughs> game and put you into YouTube at, with a single button press. I I have paid for button mapper and I still cannot disable the YouTube button. Now, instead of YouTube opening to YouTube, YouTube opens to pick which app you want to open when you press the YouTube button. It's very, very. I I get that. But at the same time, is that really any different from any other device? Like when you're, if you have a PlayStation hooked up to your TV and a Chromecast, if you hit the YouTube button on your uh, Chromecast remote, it's going to, do some HDMI stuff and launch YouTube and kick you out of your game for a second. I don't know. It feels like an end to an since Stadia is in on a Google. Yeah. And you're talking about, you're talking about two different devices. Yeah. I'm sure they can. I'm yeah. Like I'm sure they could do something, but I feel like it's a problem that that's low on the totem pole. And is it partially because the Stadia, the sorry, the Chromecast remote is so small that it's easy to just, accidentally lose it in the couch and press buttons mm. basically yeah there's that <laughs> so yeah um long awaited um i think the count is currently at over fifty thousand installs for the app um how do we think about its initial progress so far 
I mean, 50,000 is a pretty good number for an app that isn't pre-installed on any device. That means 50,000 people either went out of their way to try Stadia on their Android TV, which is a decent number for the Stadia community. It's higher than 12 anyway. (laughs) Or it means that that uh, home screen ad that you were talking about earlier, that uh, is effective in some way. Hard to say which of the two, mm. or how much, what the percentages are of each. Mm. It, it's also hard to tell because we don't have a good point of comparison. The only one out there would be GeForce Now, uh, but GeForce Now was pre-installed on every Shield for the past six years, um, and that that alone is easily making up the majority of its million plus downloads. Yeah. Yeah. Do we think Google's going to end up reinstalling Stadia? On their first party hardware, I could see that. I don't think they would do it on uh anything. I don't think they would do it on like Sony or TCL. And yet by by nature of the current Chromecast's limited storage, I would hope that they would not pre-install Stadia on it. This is true. Mm-hmm. That's also a good point. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, again, Stadia for Android TV, uh, long awaited. And I guess we'll see, especially over the summer months, how that translates to new viewers for Stadia, the new users of Stadia, rather. Um, is there any like improvements? Do, what do we want in the near future for Google to add to the Android TV app? Well, for one, uh, I would really like to see an update to the uh, the Chromecast with Google TV to give it a more full support for the Stadia controller. But maybe, I mean, I understand that maybe you can't uh, show the, or you can't control the UI with the Stadia controller. I get that. That would be complicated. But it would be nice to show the pairing code on the screen like it does on Chromecast Ultra. And it'd be mm. nice to, if I enter the pairing code, which doesn't change, and I appreciate that, if I were to enter that pairing code while I'm not in Stadia, it'd be nice if Stadia opened like it does on the Chromecast mm. Ultra. I honestly don't think it would be that difficult for them to let you just use the Stadia controller, because they have always said that they were going to unlock the Bluetooth on the Stadia controller so you could just use it as a Bluetooth controller. I think that was just for Bluetooth audio, isn't it? Yeah, that's, I that's recall right. that being for controlling too. Either way, they they should. Um, they should because that would solve yeah. this issue. You know, you just use Bluetooth to control the uh, Chromecast, and then as soon as you get into Stadia, just kick it over to the Wi-Fi part. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah, um, Stadia for Android TV again. It's finally here. Can't overstate how long people have been waiting for that. So, uh, moving on, we've had a, I don't know, a bit of a Wear OS moment uh, following the big announcement at I.O. of the unified platform at Samsung. Um, Samsung at MWC, which did occur to some capacity this year. Um, so, yeah, what did they announce, Ben? <laughs> Nobody does. Uh, so at MWC, they basically just kind of teased what their version of Wear OS will look like. And it's 
It's pretty much what you would expect. It looks like One UI, but on a watch. And that's what it's called. It's called One UI Watch. That's their the name of their replacement for Tizen. Uh, and Oh, that's not a good uh, yeah. naming. Uh, but it looks, it does exactly look like some, you could just pulled One UI onto a smartwatch. Uh, for better or for worse, there are some UI elements that definitely do not look nice uh, on a circular screen that small, but that can be fixed through optimization, hopefully. Uh, there are some nice bits like uh, Samsung is keeping Google's ability to uh, sync your apps as you install them. They will be installed on the watch and they're also going to have their clock app sync uh, your time zone, your preferred time zones. And it's also going to sync uh, blocked collar callers and stuff like that. So you'll mm-hmm. get some better communication between your Android powered galaxy phone and your now Android powered galaxy smartwatch. Uh, and then they also, so what? Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, they also just teased some of the new apps that were not on Tizen, which is the, the main reason that they went with Wear OS instead of just continuing on their own. Uh, and then they also announced that they are making a developer tool that lets uh, developers, or I guess really anyone who wants to give it a shot, the ability to make third-party watch faces much easier than... Uh, coding them from scratch. We don't know exactly. We don't know what it's going to be called or exactly how it's going to work, but it'll come out later this summer. Yeah, that's I. Mm, the QA to the poach, I think, proves best in terms of watch faces. Um, yeah, but yeah, okay. So Google, Samsung. So the the event itself, the announcement for this One UI watch interface and some of the capabilities. Did you feel that this was just Samsung, Samsung's opportunity to announce what Google announced at IO or did, or did they have anything or did they, or did, did Samsung have an opportunity to impose their vision for what one UI watch is and how they're taking the direction of the wearables going forward? It, it felt like a bit of both. It felt like them getting their chance to say, we're doing this with Google uh, versus Google doing it with Samsung. And it also gave them a chance to show what it's going to look like. Because Google didn't really show much of what the new Wear OS is going to look like. This was our best look. And it was, uh, what, 30-second animation? Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, we're just working our way there. Uh but we'll find out more in August. Uh, they have already announced that they are. They announced during this event that they would be launching the new Galaxy Watch, which is the Galaxy Watch 4 series, uh, during the summer. Uh, it has since leaked that that will be August 11th, I believe. Mm-hmm. And we'll dive into the what the leaks that we've seen so far. But I back onto the UI, we kind of got a preview of the watch of a I know, Wear OS 3.0 UI for the Play Store. Um, over the weekend, it started rolling out to some people, and there's been some more reports of that happening. But basically, it matched. So, like, a, a small change, honestly, is having all menu items placed in pill shaped bubbles 
uh, it really does line up with the developer preview that the Wear OS preview that we were able to get up and running at, during I/O. And I don't know, it's they're definitely spacing things out, and I don't know, making it more friendly to people. It's a good look. I do wonder what it's going to look like in person, though, especially on smaller watches. Like that's. Yeah, that's my main concern right now is that everything we've seen so far looks really good on these sizes. But uh, like the the screenshots I think you had here are from a Sunto 7, which is a really big watch. Um, so a Sunto 7 compared to a Moto. Yeah, compared to that uh, tick watch E3. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the UI scales, because like I said, in Samsung's demo, uh, they showed uh, Google Messages or Samsung Messages uh, running on it, and it it looks awful. You can't read the entirety of either message that's on screen. So it's going to be interesting to see how they optimize. I feel like though the, the your point is the, the opposite of your point is kind of made by by the screenshots that we have, um, with the exception of the 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 main uh, UI, like the, the main categories list, it, it looks like every, or at least the lists of apps seem to be able to fit more on screen. So I, I think it's just a matter of choosing to show more or choosing to, so, to show. Less. Yeah, you, you might be right. We'll, we'll just really have to wait and see. Yeah. And again, it comes down to like the screen sizes, obviously that they mm-hmm. pick, but, I don't know. They've always veered towards bigger things besides the active series. So we'll see what kind of hardware looks like. Again, we'll get to that in just a moment. But the other Wear OS development we've gotten is Google announced this Google Play Media Experience. It's basically a partner program where developers commit to building if if they have an audio app, if they have a video app, if they have a book slash audiobooks app they commit to building out apps for Wear OS, TV, Auto, tab, Android tablets and foldables. In exchange, they get a lower commission cut. So this is Google's big, big carrot uh, to attract more developers into building out their nascent platforms. And Google TV is, we can get a sense that this is how the Google TV launch and the Chromecast last year was so successful and that they were able to get partners lined up to support the um, various features so quickly, like the watch list and that kind of thing. So we'll see Wear OS apps, hope more Wear OS apps, the bare minimum, the basics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if Spotify, if, if the upcoming Spotify app was part of that partnership. It has to be. It's they. They got. They got a prima, a prime slot yeah. during I/O in terms of announcement. Considering the fact they said a couple months before that it was uh, basically impossible, then yeah, I would say this was was a pretty good uh, incentive for them. Yeah, and again, fifty percent more profits. Yeah, fifty percent more. Profits. Not fifty percent. Not fifty percent more. Fifty percent less fees. 50% less fees. So in terms of, okay, 
what apps do we want on a watch? Um, I guess we want music. Besides music, they're all music and like podcast apps and that kind of thing. Well, Audible. Are we th- Audible, yeah. Play books is as a total tangent. Play books is surprisingly good, uh, and surprisingly good app for audiobooks. But that's a total I mean, that's, side. That's really it, though. The end. I mean, the, the, but those are those are the main. I mean, yeah. I mean, those are the main categories of audio apps that are covered under this program. Yeah, it's, you know, book app, audiobook apps, uh, music, and. I don't know what other what else to call audio content via subscription other than podcast. Yeah, I don't know. This did remind me of how Samsung tapped the ability to watch a YouTube video on one of their pass wearables. Uh, it was available. Hard it was available pass. on one watch. I don't think yeah. I, I. I may be wrong, but I don't yeah. think it lasted more than one generation. No, it's a totally ridiculous concept. Absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, um, besides Wear OS, we have TV apps, as we've, we're seeing with Google TV and Chromecast. Um, auto is, again, media stuff. Um, and foldables, that can... like The context that Google is talking about, it was basically a book app, making a really good um, e-book app. But besides that... Um, yeah, that's the program. And I think Google has found a good incentive to make sure its platforms, whereas especially on day one, have a good developer adoption. From well-known companies at that. From well-known companies. The, the, the necessary well-known companies. But I guess if, as, a, as a quick question, what, what, what other apps do you want to see on whereas? Third from a third party. I don't know if my question is... my want is more so new apps that aren't there or just apps that are there, but better. Uh, Cause some of them are out of, some of them are out. I don't, I don't yeah. have any off the top of my head, but uh, some of the ones I've used are either out of date or are very slow. Some of this might just be attributed to the very terrible CPUs that Qualcomm was giving out. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. A lot of this is just we don't know until we have this in hand. Yeah. And again, hopefully Google manages to get all their partners on day one of the first of the first Wear OS 3.0 device launching. I mean, more than third parties, though, I'd really like to see first party get its game together on Wear OS. Like, I would love to have a good Google Keep app. Mm. I would love to see the Pixels recorder app. That would be a good one. That would be a very good one. I don't think there's, I I don't have much of a complaint with the keep app from my memory. I haven't used it in a while, Uh, but the, it does the, the always on display thing. It's pretty good. But the, yeah, recorder would be a very smart one. I hear a lot of people say that that's an interesting thing that I wouldn't think of personally, but it does. Like there are some uses in our line of work for that. Doubt it. More so, and more more so than existing apps is Google working to get on Apple's level in terms of built-in experiences. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, 
I don't even use an Apple Watch, but I know off the top of my head, I would love to see them copy the uh, the walkie-talkie thing, the um, yep. the decibel count, the decibel counter, where it, yeah, just stuff like that would be nice to get at least parity, or at least in the same you ballpark. Remember- yeah, speaking of the walkie-talkie app, do you remember the time that Android Wear 2.0, I think, had that complication? Where you could see images from friends. Yep. Yeah. It didn't. I don't even think it it, it didn't even launch. That wow, that is shocking. Android Wear 2.0 was a disaster. Honestly, like in hindsight, it tried to do so much. Yeah, it was a it was a horrible idea. They had it. What they had before was better than what they brought. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. They had a vision of making a Google Now watch of people of having cards surface what people need versus like an app model, which they and eventually went in a hundred percent because that's the direction that Apple eventually went in, and I guess they think the safety of apps and the developer ecosystem. But they had a great original vision, and they didn't take it. You know, Android Wear was a fantastic idea that was honestly pretty well implemented it just they decided to throw it away as soon as everyone got excited over the apple watch and then made a horribly rushed just very bad version of that a squished android phone they tried to do everything they tried to make an android phone work on a small platform versus having their original vision of like a wearable as being a proactive assistant. It's it's such a shame. It really wasted an opportunity there. It goes against their whole idea of ambient computing too. Yeah, an early idea. Honestly, they're computing. where they've ended up, like where everything has ended up, even with the Apple Watch being what it is and being as good as it is, I still think Google's original vision was better for a smartwatch. It was so much more forward. It definitely it's, yeah. it was assistant before assistant. It definitely wasn't a smartwatch in terms of like I don't think it could have ever been on the level in when it comes to like fitness and stuff, but in terms of just a ambient no. computing smart watch, it was a better product than yeah, anything on the market you today. Get, you you saw your reminders, you saw your weather, you saw cards which intimately make sense to people and they just went to it away for apps and we have that like fake assistant snapshot feed when you scroll to the on the left of the watch face that's nothing compared to the original vision of combining those those cards and notifications Ugh, it's just, just such a shame now here, here's a question uh mm-hmm. if they had gone straight from the original android wear to uh-huh. Not necessarily this new Wear OS, but maybe the version, the version we have today with the uh, better navigation, the assistant snapshot, and basically where things are today. Yeah. Would that have been? Would things have gotten as bad as they have in terms of people not caring about Wear OS? Or was it? Uh. Was it just the fact that they? weren't keeping up with Apple or was it the fact that they took something that was good and took away all of that? 
and then had to build their way back up. Maybe I'm being uncharitable, but Android-powered smartwatches today, in the way that the and in the way that the Apple Watch is slightly, feel like shrunken down phones. I, I, I don't agree with the idea with the many of the concepts done today. It's like you can you can you can swipe four ways um, to access on the watch face to access everything and. I think that's it's complicated. It's a bit complicated, honestly. It's I I don't know. Uh, actually, that was the question I was to, uh, 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 beating the bush around in, in terms of how Samsung announced its. Did Samsung have a vision for wearables? Like, if you ask what Apple's vision, it's notifications, it's health, and there's something else that I forgot. Um, what are Google's tent poles for Wear OS and wearables? I don't, I, I really don't see them right now. They're not obvious. Yeah, uh, it's hard to see what Google's vision and in turn Samsung's vision is right now. Just because they haven't shown enough. Yeah, the only thing like, the only thing you see definitively is that they said, "Hey, we know Apple's kicking our butts." That's the only thing that yeah. Google's announcement said. Again, they don't. I don't know. buying Fitbit. I again, I'll go back to this. I was a very early proponent of Google buying Fitbit, but the second they actually did it. They mentioned Wear OS and Fitbit had a vision in terms of making a good health companion, good health wearable. And I know they try, I know they have like an apps plat, Fitbit has an apps platform. They want to do notifications. Sure, that's basic, that's table stakes. But at the same time, their core vision is fitness. And when, once they brought Wear OS into the picture, they introduced this whole thing about having to keep alive uh, a third-party uh, ecosystem of heart of watchmakers. They had to keep alive a div- the, the developer community. They feel obligated. Anything that has that underlyingly runs Android, Google feels obligated to tell a developer story around it. Like developers can thrive on this platform. They can make apps on this platform. And I don't think that's necessary for wearables. It just should be simple. Yeah, uh, I agree in the in the, but the bigger picture is that Apple. That's what Apple's doing, and that's what's making money. And Google yeah. needs to get on the same level. They at least need to offer something in the same ballpark. Right now, they're in the parking lot crying. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Honestly. Here's here's what I what I see them doing with this Wear OS three. They're they're take they're addressing three problems with the current Wear OS. One, they're giving it a fresh look, trying to make it look more like Android, I guess, or at least feel like a good companion to it. I don't know. Fresh. Uh, second, they're working on the the Fitbit acquisition is bringing sensors that aren't on Wear OS today. Hopefully it's going to bring those types of sensors to Wear OS. And then ties in 
is being used to help the, those sensors use less power on Wear OS. So trying to address the excessive battery usage issues. Mm-hmm. I think with those three things, we're going to have a very nice but iterative change to Wear OS. It's, it's still going to feel the same. It's just going to be better at what it was. Okay, so I have a serious problem with the Tizen argument with them mentioning battery life because they gave up on that. Samsung, they did very good on battery life for the first Galaxy Watch. I think the big one was quoted at almost a week as a normal smartwatch in normal use, which was amazing. But then every other release downgraded that promise to the point where the Galaxy Watch 3 was a day and a half smartwatch. So I don't see that argument anymore. I just know that that was what was cited to us as yeah, I, what Tizen was bringing to the table for this. If process. that's what they're bringing to the table, then nothing's changing. Like the only thing that's changing is hopefully we have a better chip. And if we have a better chip, then it's that's step- that can get our foot in the door. <laughs> They can get there. If the if the chip is better, then the battery life issue will get better too, because newer chips are better at battery life. That's just a fact. If Tizen is bringing battery life, they're bringing nothing because they lost track of that two years ago. And that's one thing that no one's talking about is just that the last Galaxy Watch went from it went from within a generation it went from a week to a day and a half. With the same usage and virtually the same components. Yeah, that they're trying to do something more than they should. I think the only reason Ugh. Tizen is being touted, and I have nothing to prove it, but the only thing I, the only reason I think they're touting Tizen is just to get Samsung to use it. I, I, I really don't disagree there. It's it's an odd partnership. I. I don't know, maybe this will be successful like the Android model and we'll see a diverse set of wearable hardware and maybe this is the underpinning of Google's for other wearable form factors, but right now it's they're not showing me a vision and that's... I mean, again, there's a demand for smartwatches and there's a demand for smartwatches on Android because until Apple, because Apple is obviously not giving it over. There's a demand, but until they have like, until they're opinionated about their OS and they have a vision, I don't see what they're bringing, what's new they're bringing to the table. And that's just a real shame, especially since they had something so good already well, he, with Android. Here's Wear. a question. Uh, with their vision, it, if right now they just don't have one, let's say right now their only vision is let's take what we have and turn it into something that's competitive with the Apple Watch. Is that enough to get people to buy it? Because right now the the main thing is there are so many people who are willing to get rid of their Android phone, go buy an iPhone just because they want a good smartwatch. Mm-hmm. Is, is it enough for Google to say, let's get as close as we can to that just so people have an option and then uh, you know maybe a year or two from now start pushing their own ideas in it it's it probably is again the demand that there's a reason fossil is making them like dozens and dozens of different combinations to get people interested there is but i don't 
know if Wear OS can stand. I I hope Google is forward face was being forward thinking, and if they need to retool their OS towards this ambient computing vision that they're able to, hopefully they can do that later. But I don't think Wear OS survives another retool, another restart, another restart involving like the Sam's being in Samsung's partner. I don't think Wear OS survives another one. If I think if they find three, four years down the road that what they're doing isn't working, I think they need to scratch. They need to build a whole new OS from the ground up, a whole new vision experience. But what do you think? I don't disagree. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the make or break. So I don't know. And Kyle, as a as a wearable light user so far? <laughs> I can't even think of the last time I had mine on, but yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, I would love to see something good happen with it. I would love to see Google support the platform with their own hardware and maybe that could be the kicker, but I just don't know. I, I mean, it took years for Android TV to get another Google device, Google made device. So maybe it's time. Maybe it's, maybe it's, time. Oh, Oh, you just yeah. he just went straight into that just pun. Reminded, this just reminded me. I didn't me that, mean to do that. Sorry. <laughs> this just reminded me that Google, made by Google, is making a wearable, and I am frightened to hear what the vision is. The for the device, what, how they're going to sell the device? Oof. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting year when that happens. But until then. Um, we do have some idea of what the Galaxy Watch 4 brings. Uh, yeah, the Galaxy Watch 4 uh, has had a lot of leaks and some of them very confusing. But as of right now, the picture looks like we're going to have two different series. We're going to have the Galaxy Watch 4, which will replace the Galaxy Watch Active 2. Uh, and will be kind of your, it will be more of a bare bones uh, sports focused watch. Uh, it will not have the rotating bezel. It'll probably have the touch version um, and will be running Wear OS. Uh, and it looks like it has a pretty nice design. No real complaints from it. Uh, and then there will be a likely more expensive Galaxy Watch 4 Classic, which will replace the Galaxy Watch 3 and will have the rotating bezel. Uh, and it also looks pretty nice so far. Uh, there's really nothing that looks wrong with these watches. Samsung's hardware is pretty good when it comes to smartwatches. Uh, and I think the rumor, if I recall off the top of my head is two, at least two sizes for each, possibly three for the classic, um, ranging from 40, from 40 millimeters to 46 millimeters. Ooh, that's, that's a nice choice. Um, so yeah, um, at a high level, uh, it all comes down to what the software looks like. Um, let's see, what else we eat? Galaxy Z Fold 3. It's, it, that's, it looks the same, kind of. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very uh, minor iteration. Um, but really, that's okay. As someone who's used the Fold 2 for the better part of a year, I'm okay with mm-hmm minor iterations. Uh, I'm just curious to see how Samsung addresses the issues 
on the Fold 2, such as lack of water resistance, durability of the screen, uh, durability of the hinge, and from leaks, we can't tell. At least on a hardware perspective, it looks like they are kind of cleaning up the design a little bit more. Uh, the frame looks a little nicer. The camera looks a little nicer. Uh, and I think some of the leaks pinned down that it was going to be matte glass everywhere this time instead of uh, uh, glossy on the black one last year, which is nice. So mm-hmm. it it's very iterative, but it's a good thing. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we haven't really learned much more yet. Yeah. I mean, Abner, I'm surprised you aren't more excited about the Z Flip 3. I am absolutely more excited about the Z Flip 3 in terms of the outer display exactly. being slightly larger. Um, honestly, again, I still feel like the Razer has a nicer design language, more compact, but the Z Flip 3 is very utilitarian and they made the display bigger, so... And the the measurement doesn't tell the whole story, the 1.9 inches, because it's just, it's significantly bigger across the outer outer part. It's still, yeah, like you said, not yeah. as big as the Razer, uh, which I agree on the outside design. I do not agree uh, when you open it up because of that giant chin at the bottom. Oh, absolutely. That seems, it's, it's a whole that seems very whole. uncomfortable. Um, but the, yeah, the Flip 3 looks nice. Uh, even though that outer screen is still not going to be useful uh, enough. It's not going to be useful enough to justify not opening the phone constantly, which which that's, that was my, why they want you. That was my biggest part of a piece of contention with the flip was that you, there was no way to use the phone one handed with like, cause you can't open it one handed very easily. No, no, would you want to? So fragile. Well, I don't know. The flip, the flip yeah. seemed pretty durable based on uh, people throwing it on the ground and it being fine. Not people, Max. No, no, Max not it on the not Pax. Not Max. Uh, what's his? Uh, Quinn Nelson, Snazzy, Snazzy Labs. He's the one that did that. Old man. Oh, that was uh, rip. Chucking that thing into a corner and it was fine. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm curious about the flip. Um, it my money will be going to the fold though. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm curious. These third generation, not really with the flip too, uh, with the flip, but with these generation of um, foldables, I honestly, this seems like a make or break generation. They got the technology down. Samsung and others can't say that. The technology wasn't mature enough to prove how successful the concept was. I think this is a a make or break in terms of seeing whether people really want foldables. I'm not sure if I'm ready to say make or break. It's this is definitely going to be a very telling year into how how ready the market is. I think it's inevitable that these are going to be a part of the smartphone market for the foreseeable future. That's it's I think I definitely think they will be, especially as costs keep continue to come down, which if I remember right, the rumor is two at least two hundred dollars less than last year, uh, which, it's yeah, it's thing. that's two hundred dollars doesn't make a gigantic dent when you're talking uh, 15 to two thousand uh, dollars. But 
it is a considerable jump down. Um, it's enough to make a dent on the monthly payment. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think this year is going to be make or break, but it's definitely, it's going to tell us how quickly these are going to be adopted by people and other brands. Because if the fold, let's say the fold three does not do well, then uh, Google, who's expected to launch a folding pixel this year, uh, doesn't have a chance. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it just, Samsung is the, uh, yes. Uh, they're going to tell us how things are going to go. And if the fold and the flip do not do well, then no one else is going to have a chance for at least a couple more years. Yeah. Until it totally matures until it's the same. Okay. Do people want to pay more for their phones? That's like a basic question. Do people judging by the, uh, the sales of the iPhone, what is it? The 12 mini versus the 12 max or whatever they are. Yeah, I would think so. The the mini is dead because the max sold too well. So yes, people do want to set, want to spend. Well, I I don't think, I don't think significant. Yeah. I don't think that's the entire conversation though. I think it's also are willing, are people willing to pay more to have a phone that's capable of doing more? Uh, because do people want to get stuff? I, uh, the majority of people, I have several friends who not just from a, it's neat. I like that perspective, but from a, I could actually see this being useful in my life perspective, want a foldable. It's just hard to justify because it's so much more expensive. And because, mm-hmm. you know, you're trading off water resistance, durability, et cetera. Once it gets to the point where the cost difference is negligible, like the cost difference is to the point where the functionality makes it worth it. And the durability is to a point where you don't have to baby these phones. Like you can still buy a case for it and take it out in your daily life and not be worried that it's going to break or that a sudden rainstorm is going to kill it. Once we get past that, we're in a better place. I don't think the Fold 3 is that point, but it is the point where the people who can afford to spend this much aren't going to say no just because it doesn't have as many trade-offs. Like they're filling in some of the they're filling in the cracks, but they're not they're not fixing the gaps yet, if that makes sense. To to the point you that's a good one. To the point you made about if this doesn't work, it might take a few more years uh, for it to to go off. I to be somewhat cynical, um the people want Phone make it feels like phone makers want to get more out of a maturing smartphone market. They they want to get more profit out of the devices they're selling to people. And if if the whole cons- if people don't see the value or they don't they might see the value but they don't want to pay for it. If then if they don't want to pay for that display technology, everybody's going to have to wait a few years until it's the same cost and as the phones today and that that's how you that's how people people adopt foldables when it's just a phone and it looks like a phone and it's priced like a phone and all that yeah and i think that point will be when we have a fold not not a flip like a book style foldable at fifteen hundred dollars like a no compromise one as in the the equivalent of the fold to today 
being $1,500 brand new undiscounted. I think that's the point where people start saying it becomes less of a desire and more of a, I could actually do this. Is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, I'm going to counter you because I didn't even realize that they were still that expensive. If, you know, the new retail price, I didn't realize it was still that high. I would see it more in the 13 range where it's a couple hundred more than the thousand mark, which is like thousand is high for a phone, or at least it was. I feel like 15 is ridiculous still. Well, I'll counter that. Uh, if you take your average, the, some of the best selling phones, the iPhone 12 max, uh, the galaxy S 21 ultra, those are roughly speaking 50 bucks a month on your, uh, phone plan you know, not counting sales or anything like that. A $1,500 foldable would be an extra 12 bucks. So the question then becomes, is it worth an extra $12 a month for me to get basically a phone and a tablet? And for a lot of people, that math's going to work out. Whereas $2,000, then you're talking a whole lot more on your two-year phone plan. You're talking eight, over $80 a month. That is that is a point where it is totally justified, even if you find it useful, it's totally justified to say, I don't want to pay almost twice as much for my phone every month just to have this. But if it's, if it's an extra 10 bucks, a whole lot more people are going to be interested. Mm-hmm. Hmm. On that note, um, on that note, uh, that is Alfred's scoop for this week. We record this podcast and publish on Thursdays. You can find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms, such as Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. And you can even listen on our site at 9to5google.com. Thanks for tuning in as always. And thanks to Kyle and Ben for joining. We'll see you all next week. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye.